more ultra less ladies all things ultra all things ladies dirt runner trail runner mother runner badass mountain runner welcome to the ultra ladies show i'm your host sarah terhar and i'm your host nancy shura durvin and every week we're here to educate share stories and humor that help inspire you to run your first ultra or your best ultra whether you're on a run commuting to work or busy parenting get ready for some laughter and some real talk about this gritty sport we all love Welcome to the Ultra Ladies podcast, Katie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Katie. It's it's Ultra Mama Nancy here, and it's so good to see your face after such a long, a long time. A long time. Too long. As a former Ultra Ladies team member and now a two times Western States endurance run top 10 female finisher, it's our honor to have you on here to talk today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thanks so much for joining us. We just shared uh, that you were a former ultra ladies athlete. How did you find the group? Let's start with the beginning. Gosh, well, it began because I was on my honeymoon and my husband and I, and my new husband and I, uh, wanted to cover more ground. So we started running on trails instead of hiking and, we realized that it was so fun and we were going to do it for the rest of our lives. (laughs) And so when we came back from that trip, I immediately started looking online and just trying to find different groups that run trails in LA. And so that's when I came across ultra ladies and I love the camaraderie and, um, of being around other women. And so for me, that was the big draw is I was like, yes, these people are training for ultra distance and they're women. And, I know there's some ultra lady men, but, um, you know, mostly women and I was excited to join. So that's why I started with the group. I didn't really know anything about trail or running really. <laughs> so yeah, it was so just- cool. It's so cool that we were really truly your beginning. Yeah. You know, we talked to, on the phone, I believe before you started, didn't we, um, weren't you having a baby or you had a baby? I'm trying to remember timing. We, um, I had a baby on the, and that was 2015. Okay. I remember talking to you. I'm pretty sure it was you about getting into ultra running and you had just had the baby, I believe. And I encouraged you to hold off a few months. Do yes. you remember that? Yes. I totally remember this. Is it now. coming back to yes, you? <laughs> it's absolutely coming back to me. And I remember being like, ugh, like frustrated because I absolutely remember this. I remember being frustrated because I was like, I felt ready. Um, and I had been cleared by my OB to run. And I think your advice was, Katie, this, you can run on your own, but this is, you know, a different, um, these are different distances than you're going to be used to. So we need to slowly like graduate to these distances almost. And again, I hadn't been a runner previously. So I think it was very wise advice for me because I was so excited to jump in. And honestly, I feel like a lot of uh, runners do that with distance. You know, you're excited and you find trail and you want to go run your 50 miler because you're aiming for the 100 miler in the first year of running, you know? And that's when I feel like people may get burnt out or may get injured. And um, so I think the slow 
long view is really important in this sport. So that was sage advice that I learned very early. <laughs> I think as coaches, we need to always try to remember to, to give the best advice to our athletes, not just tell them what they want to hear. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. had a little baby. I remember that. And I remember telling you, ultra running will always be there, but the baby's going to get older soon. So I'm, I'm proud of you that you, you held back a little bit before you started to run with us. So, um, so your running background when you joined our ultra ladies, um, just wasn't much at all, right? Um, I had run the, um, Chicago marathon right after college, just as a fun thing to do with my Chicago girlfriends. And, um, so I had trained some on the road, but it was purely just hobby jogger, having fun, you know, wearing outfits. Like we were just having a good time. (laughs) And it wasn't really until I hit trail that I was like, Oh, like, this is it. This is my forever. Um, and I had done a lot of ball sports growing up and honestly running was just a part of the sports and, you know, didn't really think of it ever as a sport itself, to be honest. And, I've definitely changed my mind on that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I, I did also dabble um, with the Santa Monica mountain goats. I had a great time with them. They taught me a lot about different trails in LA. And um, that was important because I feel like when you're in Los Angeles, you it's hard to find some trails. They're kind of remote or in a residential neighborhood and kind of that, that barrier to starting running on trails is trying is really learning about where to go, where to go. Because if you just hit some of the Westridge or Temescal, I mean, these are just packed with people at certain times of the day. And you just need to learn. There are different trails in the Santa Monica mountains. And I learned a lot from them and you about that, um, finding those trails and when to go at certain times and that sort of thing. So I learned a lot about trail in that time. And I'm forever grateful for sure. So in joining the ultra ladies, did you have a goal in mind already when you first started running with our group? I, I mean, were you goal. thinking, I just were, you thinking of, <laughs> were you thinking of hundred mile races back then, or were you just, just hungry to get on the trail and learn more and be yeah. with other women? I think I was just hungry to be on the tra- trail. I just loved it. I wanted to be around other women that had been doing ultras. Um, I was li- listening to lots of, you know, ultra running podcasts and reading every word of ultra running magazine. And I was just being a student at the time and just taking my time being a sponge. And I think that helped because so many women that I was running with had, you know, years and years, yourself, decades of experience, um, that I knew I would gain a lot from. And, um, I didn't take that lightly. Like I really wanted to be a part of every conversation and, Um, I I felt like pretty early on that my body was able to cover the distance pretty well. And I like, but I still wanted to hang with the group. So I didn't want to go off too far ahead. And then I remember there would be times where Nancy would be like, just go, Katie, you go. And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) I want to hang out though. And you're like, you need to get your training and go. So that was also, you know, advice from you, uh, that idea of it's important to stay together and have community, but also to listen to your own body. And, um, yeah, so that encouraged me to, to kind of dabble in competition in that time. So that was also fun. And that part has not changed with ultra ladies. So there's, there's still, you know, people that they want the camaraderie that you're describing and they might do part of their run of the group, especially on the out, maybe if it's a mountain back, but then we're also coaching them and telling them, no, 
you need to also push yourself because you have individual goals. And it's, I mean, it was the same for me. I started as an ultra ladies athlete before I started working with Nancy. So that's, that part is the same that you're describing. So that's good. Good. So what were your biggest learning moments during your time with the ultra ladies? Oh gosh, so many. Um, I remember we having a, I mean, there's so many conversations with other women as we were running. Um, gosh, I mean, like all these memories are flooding back. I remember there was one time, like, cause Nancy, you would be the aid station mama, you know? And That's I remember right. like my first time dipping potatoes in salt and being like, this is heaven. How have I never <laughs> done this before? Um, and just how much fun it was to explore different foods in the middle of the long run. Um, that was fun. I remember uh, having conversations, like many conversations about women's health. I remember this one in particular, having a conversation about um, after giving birth, she was still incontinent, like 10 years later, like she still had to wear a pad while running and it would chafe and, you know, that sort of thing. So we remember we talked a lot about um, just women's health and um, advocating for yourself and empowering each other and speaking about things that may be uncomfortable, um, but making sure that you voice it, you know, to your friends and um, yeah, and not just your friends, but to your medical professionals, you know, but um, so that was that was opening for me too, because I had never had those kind of vulnerable conversations with friends before. So um, that was, or I guess, running friends, I should say. And then um, another big thing for me was learning how to tape my feet. <laughs> I remember we had a, uh, a workshop where Oh my gosh. Oh, and also at that same, or maybe it was a different workshop. Well, we learned how to tape our feet and that was so fun. And I still use the same protocol that you taught me. Um, uh -huh. And then also I remember we went through what to pack in a drop bag. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I was like blowing my mind. I remember writing everything down. I still have the journal um, about what to bring. I mean, I was literally just a newbie, total newbie. I mean, yeah. learning everything from you and from people that have done this for so long and um, that's where I met Tamara Aaron and mm -hmm. she's been an incredible support, support to me. She was at Western States with me last year. It was really fun. Um, so, you know, I think for me, I just learned a lot from the people that had been running for so long and this sport is logistically challenging and there's so much more than just running. <laughs> so I think that was, that, that, that really helped because I was, it, it excited. It, I got so excited about that challenge and learning how to problem solve. And, um, yeah, I was excited to race after that. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Giving you the proper tools that you needed to make that segue oh, from just time. being, you know, in training to actually racing. Yeah. Yeah. And safely. I think it set me up <laughs> for racing my first ultra and then my first 50 and then my first hundred miler. I mean, I, um, yeah, I, I think, if without that knowledge, it would have just taken a lot longer. <laughs> I think you eventually probably get there from talking to other people, but, um, this, that's how I got there Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And before the turn of the century in the 1900s, <laughs> yeah. it was all about trail school on the trail. Yeah. On the trail mm -hmm. you're learning. And yeah. so, and I feel like we did a lot of that with ultra ladies, but it was like this mm -hmm. condensed version of it, you know, where it was very purposeful, mm -hmm. like we are going to learn from each other <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of just, you know, on the trail banter. And so, or learning it in a race real time. And that was enormously helpful in my running career for sure. And probably also a time saver in that it skirted some, 
some issues by really avoiding some things, you know, like that you've learned along the way. Like if you're on the trail and you're discussing some of the other things you've learned and the veteran or your coach, you know, would say, oh, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, if you're bouncing ideas around, oh, okay, I won't try that. Then maybe I'll just stick to this, you know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been interviewed a number of times. What is the number one question you're asked, like in general? <laughs> That's a funny question. I feel like the number one thing I'm asked is how do you juggle it all, which always kind of makes me laugh because I feel like all of us juggle it all. (laughs) Like I'm nobody, you know, we all are doing everything we can. If you're running ultras, if you are trying to, you know, finish a hundred miles, it takes a lot of time. And if you have family and if you have a job and you're just it just, we all are trying to struggle with that. And, um, I call it the juggle struggle. Uh, so I think that's my number one question. <laughs> yeah. It, I dislike the word balance. I think it's overused and I think people aim for it and it's like a form of perfection. So I think you can aim if you want, but don't expect to ever hit it because you're always going to be in flux, right? A little bit with something. And I think if we try to reach for like that perfection, it's like possible. So I think it's a horrible word. I absolutely agree. And I think maybe the better word is trying to have the things that you care about or prioritize in your life complement each other versus um, balance entirely. Because for instance, when I'm speaking with patients, I can't be thinking about my kids in that moment. I need to be hundred percent with my patient in that time. I can't be thinking about what workout I have to do later that afternoon. I can't be thinking about that. I need to be with my patient. And I feel like that's really important you know, it's being present where you are and it's about using what you learn in different aspects of your life to complement each other, you know? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent agree. Yeah. And, and what is the top thing you're asked about Western States insurance run? Because we don't want to ask you that. <laughs> well, this year or last year, there are very different races. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Very different races. So I think I've been asked different things, <laughs> but uh, I guess probably my number one is, um, this past race was something along the lines of why, <laughs> why do you keep <laughs> going forward when you've had no calories and your foot is fractured? You know, um, yeah, I think that is probably my number one question. That's a good question. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure you, you, we chatted a little bit before we started the podcast. So we sort of have an idea, but we won't ask you that question because they can listen to other podcasts and have you go into that in great detail if that's what everybody asks you. But yeah, knowing your why, that's something that we Mm -hmm. always bring, bring forward with our runners when we podcast is what is your why and is yours anything special or different or what was your why to keep you from dropping out when you had so many physical problems. Yeah, I think, I don't know what other people's whys are, so I don't know if they're different, but um, my why in running ultras or like when I'm training is probably different than necessarily when I'm racing. When I'm racing, I'm pretty um, tunnel vision in the sense that I'm trying to get from A to B as fast as possible, right? And have some fun along the way, you know? Um, I'm trying to be really present in that journey, but like nothing's stopping me from getting to the end. And a part of it, my why is trying to be present enough to be able to 
problem solve and like put that puzzle together to make that race finish at the end as strong as I can be. So I think my why is it's a lot of, um, like reflection in myself and being able to trust myself. So I think there's a lot of trust involved Mm -hmm. and I think there's, um, yeah, that challenge and curiosity and flexibility that arises and that comes to every hundred or ultra marathon. So yeah, I think that's all a part of my why, of course, in a bigger scheme, I want to inspire my kids to follow their dreams. And, you know, there's other reasons that, you know, come into play, but really when I'm racing, I'm not really thinking about that as much though. When I see them, I of course start crying, but, (laughs) um, it's really about, just trying to get to the finish as fast as possible and dealing with any problems that arise and trusting myself to get there. Good. And you've earned the special honor of finishing Western States twice. And you did have those two very different experiences and have had some time to reflect. So what core lessons have you learned from each of these two races? My core lesson from both of them is that this community is the best in the world. And if more people were trail runners, it would be a better place. (laughs) That is the core lesson I learned. Um, I learned to trust my team like more almost than yourself, um, that those races, those big global events, it's so much more than yourself. Um, And I, I think that trust aspect was a big part of Western States for me because I have, like I mentioned, it's about trusting myself and my vision. And it like at Western States, it's so much more than my vision. It's, I have a whole team around me, um, getting me there. And so I guess that would be my core takeaway that, um, these big races are not really any race. It's not all about you. So I guess it takes some pressure off, but, uh, when you've, when you have teammates and, um, friends that have, you know, been a part of this journey for so long, they start to really understand you and your needs and know what pushes you. And it's pretty exciting. We're kind of like moving together as an organism. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great way to describe that for sure. Definitely need a group that's in sync because otherwise then you end up with drama and just becomes an interference. Oh yeah. No time right? for that. No time for that. Clock is ticking. We got to get out of that aid station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What comes to mind when we say the word coaching? Hmm. Um, well, the first thing I think about is my mom because she has coached me through a lot of things in life. And so I think that a coach is so much more than just your typical like running coach per se. Um, but I have a coach. My coach um, is David Roach um, with some work I'll play. Um, my first running coach in my entire life with Nancy, <laughs> ultra mama right here. Um, so, you know, I think coaches um, become a part of our life as mentors and as really cheerleaders um, and are able to look at your life through an objective lens and your training through an objective lens and able to take on the um, I guess, responsibility of seeing that stress is stress is stress. And so when you have too much on your plate, when to back off. And so I think that the, the, the athlete coach relationship is really special. And I think that again, coaches can come in different forms of life, but when you have one coach in your athletic career, um, 
that one coach that like is your traditional coach as we're kind of maybe mentioning, I would say that that person is somebody that pushes you, um, but maybe knows more like thinking about your future more than you are. Maybe like, maybe you're thinking about that next race, but they're thinking about five years from now, you know, and your growth in that way. So they're able to take a bigger lens and kind of take a step back and see your training from a different perspective. And um, I think it's really critical that the athlete is a total open book with their coach because um, that's, that's how they're the most helpful <laughs> for sure. So the best coaches are also working with the athletes that are able to give the best information and know themselves the best in that way. So I think that relationship is quite sacred, actually. It's very important. We feel in our coaching style to take into account the athlete as a whole, not just the physical aspect of the training, because it really does play into running ultras. And that comes down to how it fits into their training, into their life, and how they handle their recovery time, even um, their nutrition is super important. So you're right. I mean, I think if they have a coach that's only looking at one aspect, then they're going to be missing out and they could be asking for some potential injuries even, you know, and, and maybe some mistakes that'll be hard lessons. So that's really and I think good advice. Knowing what makes them tick, you know, mm-hmm. like understanding their why or like mm-hmm. what, why, what, what race they want to do, not just to get a 50 miler on the calendar, but why that 50 miler, what like mm-hmm. gets you excited about that race, you know, because, mm-hmm. and, and I think making the coach would help decipher whether or not you're ready for that race. If you're not totally in it or you're overwhelmed with work or kid, or you're just not going to be a good day necessarily. I think that you can have those honest conversations with the your coach about that, that you might not necessarily want to have. <laughs> so. Sure. And they can push you. If they know you that well, they know they can keep you going when you don't want to keep going and they might hate you in that moment, but <laughs> if it works, <laughs> yeah. so we learn about ultra running through our coaches through other runners, through our own experiences, but what is the most valuable thing that you've learned from each of these things? Most valuable thing I've learned from my coach. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. From your coach, through other runners and through your experience, like one from each. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to start with my coach and then we'll go on to the next one. Okay. So my coach, um, I'm going to talk about my current coach, but Nancy also taught me lots of things, but I'm going to talk about my current coaches teach taught me that, um, we're all, how does he say it? We're all, um, we're basically all stardust that we're going to go back to the earth that we're trying to live like race and train in very low risk situations, right? We're throwing ourselves out to be the bravest we can be in a situation where everyone around us loves us and doesn't care what happens at the end. Right. So I think that for me just brings so much joy to this sport, right? It takes all pressure off and it's that longevity. Like this is, we're, we're here because this is joyful and fun and life-giving and purposeful and, not because I'm trying to like, uh, beat somebody else <laughs> or whatever, you know, like it's so much greater than ourselves. And I feel like that is what I've learned the most from him, um, from other racers or other friends. Is that what the question yeah, was? Running community. 
Um, the running community, I feel like, um, what have I learned the most? Uh, there's so much, I guess watching resilience, grit, you know, watching people finish under the hardest of situations, um, still being able to gut out like the roughest times in life. And I feel like that tenacity has taught me more than just in sport and in running, but in my own life on a daily, you know, in my, in my daily life. Um, I, yeah, I, I take that with me. I've learned so much from my fellow racers, competitors. I have this deep, deep respect for everybody that toes the lines. I mean, I think we're so courageous and brave to put ourselves into situations that may turn out really bad and will cause us pain and <laughs> suffering. And we still are excited to do it. You know, it's like, we're all connected in this way in this wild sport and it's really exciting. And I, I feel like it, I feel like I'm so privileged to have fallen into this sport, you know, that I feel like I have a different lens on than so many people that I see the world through different eyes because of this sport. So yeah, I guess that answers that question. And then there was one more, right? Yeah. There's that meme that you see that says, wow, let's wake up really early and run really far. You know, it's like, gets recycled. I feel like that's so relatable to everybody because who wants to do that and thinks it's fun. I know, but we do. It's so fun. And I think doing it with friends or doing it with people that, you know, that love the trail as much as you do makes it that much more rewarding, you know? And um, yeah, just more joyful, I guess. So and it doesn't feel as far when you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's an adventure. Yeah. 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 The last item was what have you learned through your own experiences? Um, I've learned that I can do hard things. Right. Yeah. That yeah, says it all can... right there. It does. Have you ever received any throwaway advice from anyone? Um, I tried pickle juice in a race once and it was not a good idea. <laughs> did it come up? Uh, did you I didn't, but it was just like that. That wasn't good. Like moving on from that. Um, okay. <laughs> I tried PB and J's PB and J's. It's like hit or miss. Most of the time it's a miss for me during racing and during fast hard. If it's a slower effort and we're taking like a break, then it seems to be okay, but I can't do it on the go. Yeah, PB and J's has to be like white, fluffy bread, like <laughs> moist, and like doesn't make me thirsty after. And usually, PB and J's that are sitting at aid stations are not that way, you know. That are yeah. like crusty. They've been sitting there a bit. And yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, yeah. It also makes you thirsty, you know. You're like, yeah. So yeah. Um, I guess th that's actually a good one. I would say if there was something I would throw out. I, well, I guess I was going to say that um, people say don't try different things in races, right? But I think that's not always the case for me. Sometimes things okay. happen in races that you weren't expecting. And sometimes you need to try something new. Uh, and so being able to be more flexible on the go is critical. And even if it is something you've never done before, um, it, that may happen. You've never run that distance in that particular day in that heat or whatever. So you, of course, you've never had the opportunity to <laughs> have that problem. So I don't know. I feel like that idea, I, I don't abide by. I try to for the most part, but I'm also very flexible when I'm out there because, um, yeah, problems arise and you have to be able to be like on your toes, literally. 
Yeah, that's true. So we're interested to hear if if you would tell us a little bit about what a typical training week is like for Mm -hmm. you when you're in your peak training. Sure. I can look back on my logs. Um, So Mondays always rest. Um, Tuesdays, I usually do like, it would be more of like a 10 miler um, with some like pickups, right. So mm-hmm. some, some intervals in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really wants me to not just be on flat and not just vert on those days, like kind of rolling terrain. Um, actually Santa Monica mountains are like the best training ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Wednesdays are my workout days. Um, that's when I do a lot of hill repeats. So I would like do three miles easy and then whatever, six times three minute hills, and then end with three minutes. And then sometimes like after the hills, I would do like six times 90 seconds, like fast efforts, not on hills, um, just to be able to stay fast after being fatigued. Um, and then always end easy Thursday is, um, more of a chill, like six to eight miler, just like super easy. Um, Friday, uh, also easy. Sometimes if I had a niggle or I was tired, I would even rest that day. Um, but usually like six mile or six miles or so with some, um, some pickups. Uh, and then Saturday, usually my longer day. And that just depends on where I am. Of course, these are all like, depending on where I am in my training cycle, but you know, like I think Western States would be like a 27, 28 miler. And then the next day is like a 28, 20, I mean, 20 miler, like those back-to-backs. Um, occasionally, well, not occasionally in my peak, I was also doing like two days of, uh, treadmill hiking as doubles. Um, so to try and get that, like, like hiking, it was all always hiking. And then actually, as I progressed, he would have me be running those, but they're only for like 30 minutes at 15% on the, on the treadmill. And then two days a week, sometimes three days a week doing, um, weights. So going to the gym, doing weights. So, so when we talk about your, um, what it looks like when you're in your typical peak training, tell us what one of your days would look like from, from waking up to going back to bed again that night. Ooh, okay. Well, I have, as you can imagine, um, I'm also working as a nurse practitioner. So I make sure that my lower volume days are on the days that I'm uh, working, right. Mm -hmm. So the days that are my workout days or, um, days like I'm doing doubles and weightlifting are never days that I'm working. (laughs) I don't have time for it because I also have to pick up the kids and stuff. So, um, let's see, let's, let's do a workout day. So I'm not working that day. I would wake up in the morning, take the kids to school or camp. And then from directly from dropping them off, I would go to the trailhead. And I mean, do you want me to start from the beginning? Like I eat breakfast. Like, sure. Okay. The kids wake me up in the morning at six 40 in the morning and they jump in our beds and say, good morning. It's time to wake up because <laughs> their little green light had flashed on in their room and they can come wake us up. Aww. Then we wake up, we all have family breakfast and then off we go, they make their lunches and that sort of thing. And off we go. And then I, I take them to either school or camp in the summer it's camp. Right now, one of them is at a rock climbing camp. One of them's at um, a soccer camp. Um, and then, cool. yeah, they're having the best summer. And then, uh, yeah, from there, I go to the trailhead. Um, I do my workout and then um, directly have some like recovery in the car that I've always prepped to bring. And then I go home and I eat and 
um, like recover. If it's a really hard time, I, if I have time to, I try and do an Epsom salt bath for recovery and just like actually recover from that. And then after that, I go to the gym and lift and either do my um, extra treadmill workout also at that time, and then go and pick up the kids. And then it's family time and bike rides and playing soccer and whatever with the kids and then make dinner and go to sleep. (laughs) So that's pretty much my life on the days that I'm not working. And then the days I'm working, I just work also, but I'm doing less miles and not doing the weightlifting. And Uh yeah. Yeah. Do you run before work or after work? Before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before. So I make sure I get it in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind when we say the word recovery? Um, recovery to me has meant something very different than the last year. I mean, right now I'm recovering in the sense of from my injury. Um, but really this year changed a lot. Like I last April, so it was la- April, 2021 is when I became signed by, I became a pro- professional athlete, which was incredible. <laughs> um, didn't ever manifest that I'll say. Uh, and so when I signed with Saucony, I was able to, I, just... I think I did though. <laughs> uh, when I signed with them, I was able to reduce my schedule, um, to three days a week, um, instead of five days a week. So that was really exciting because then I could actually do more training, um, and try to make this more of a priority and consider myself a professional athlete. And if you're really taking this, this seriously, and you really want to compete at the best level, then you have to recover hard. I mean, you have to recover as hard as your training, you know? So it's like, it's like it balances each other. Like on your days, you're really recovering. I mean, you're really training hard. You have to recover hard. Like that's a huge part. So, um, of your day <laughs> actually. So can, yeah. Describe that please. Yeah. So, well, Mondays for instance, are my rest days. And so on those days, I try not to even like go grocery shopping. I mean, I also have like 60 stairs to get up to my condo. So that's a part of the reason why it's like actually effort <laughs> to go grocery shopping. So, um, I don't, I don't go grocery shopping my rest days. I try and like actually have it be a chiller day. Um, I try and set really low expectations for myself that day and like what I need to get done. So that's, I'm also, I'm working, but I try and like mentally like chill. Uh, so that's, that's part of, I mean, every rest, every Monday being a rest day has been critical to me. I think my success and just my happiness overall. And then, um, on days that are bigger effort days, I really try and like double down on recovery, like I mentioned. So yeah, I think recovery is really important and fueling is a big part of that. Sleeping is a big part of that protein, like I said, fueling, but, um, fueling like right after your workout is critical, like getting that glycogen in right after, and then, um, your glucose in right after. And then, uh, like within 30 minutes of training and then also making sure you're having enough protein. Like I aim for 120 grams of protein a day. It's a lot. So that's big. And then sleep is critical. Like we sleep a lot. Like we go to sleep at eight 30 in the morning, I mean, at eight 30 at night. So yeah, we're big sleepers. <laughs> yeah. And we're in altitude too. So it's like even more critical because your body's already like t- worked <laughs> just at baseline. <laughs> so I think it's really nice that you are really open and honest about this and that you're very forward about it because I think not enough athletes rest. I really do. I think that they think, oh, it's a day off 
and I'll do this other stuff or, you know, it's like, no, and like, Oh, I'll go hiking. That's fun. Cause it's not running. Right. <laughs> but no, no, I do still try and do like some mobility on those days. Like I want to make sure that I'm still like feeling loose and light. And, um, on some days, like I will say I have the budget now with being signed by Saucony to get body work done. So I try and really take advantage of that. So I think it's critical <laughs> when you're putting in big miles and you're really pushing your body and probably, especially when, as we get older. Um, so yeah, I think staying loose, like a rest day doesn't mean that you just have to be sitting at your computer all day, yeah. you know? Um, so just, you're not training. Yeah. 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 Or putting the miles time on feet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trying to stay off your feet is important. Yeah. Yeah. Like rolling. So out are, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are three must have things that you wouldn't go on a training run without? Well, depends how long it is, but, um, like usually to be honest, if it's over eight miles, I run with a pack. So I'm also sponsored by Nathan, but I have a lot of packs that I get to choose from. And, um, I run with a pack because I want to prep for race day. So when I'm racing, I always wear a pack right? I'm never running a half marathon. Um, even if I'm running a half marathon, I'd probably wear a pack. Um, but we run longer distances. And, um, so I'm always, you know, racing with a pack. I need to train with a pack. So when it's over eight miles, I bring my pack. I always fill up both bottles because I'm going to be racing with both bottles. Like my body is also, I think of it almost as strength training in a way, like you're prepping your back and your core and, just mentally having that weight on you is really nice because when you start racing, you're like, Oh yeah, I do this all the time. So yeah, my pack would be my first, um, and fueling goes along with that, of course. Um, and then I've been running with a nose strip, um, like a nasal strip, um, mm -hmm. because yeah, I think I, maybe it's since I broke my nose at Bandera, but like, I just breathe a lot better when I have it on. It looks really dorky, but I don't know. I feel like I'm getting more oxygen in. The science isn't there, but I legit feel better for sure. So it's a placebo effect, I guess, but I feel like I'm breathing better and I'm able to work harder. And I also will say like when I'm doing my easy, I breathe only through my nose because I know that I'm slowing down my, um, like my breath in order like, mm -hmm. yep, this is easy. So when I'm going for that, like six mile easy run on a Friday, like mm -hmm. I'm keeping it easy because I'm only breathing through my nose. So I know it's like keeping me in check. And then when I'm doing my workout, like, of course, I'm like all the oxygen, open your mouth, open your nose, like all of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's like a critical piece. And then, um, you know, I also, also not, well, I don't know, I guess on workouts, let's talk workouts. I usually bring music because um, it keeps me amped up when I'm just like doing easy or long runs in the mountains. I don't, but workouts, I like to bring music. So uh, yeah, I like to feel amped and like ready to rock and roll on those days your that's cheerleader right. yeah that's and, right. yeah and we're going to get to to bandera in just a minute um what are the main that uh, you're just dying to tell us right <laughs> no no <I'm> <laughs> but we want to hear it anyway what are the main things you tell yourself when you need to keep pushing but you find yourself in the pain cave yeah, that's an interesting one I've been asked this before and the pain cave the words the pain cave don't actually resonate at all with me. I actually don't think of it at all as pain, to be honest. 
Like when I'm out there running, like I'll feel something, but my brain doesn't go, oh, it's pain. Like my brain for my foot was like, oh, I need to protect it. Like I can't run as hard on these downhills, but like, I can't be thinking this is pain. This is pain. This is pain. This is, you know, this is suffering. I'm in a horrible place. It's more of like, I'm noticing a sensation and like, how am I going to go forward? Like I need to keep moving. So yeah, I don't, I haven't, I've been in really hard situations before, like really, really, really tough. But the idea of like not completing a race or stopping has never crossed my mind, literally not once. Um, I haven't even thought it. Maybe I've been doing this long enough, but I've been through some really hard times. And I'm not just talking about this past Western States, but there's been other really tough races where um, like you could have gotten really, I'm thinking right now about um, at UTHC and my first international race in Canada um, last year and Ultra Trail Hurricane Canada. And I saw 125K and I got lost three times. It was so frustrating. I was like, oh, I was like, I wasn't, anyways, it was really, really hard and it could have really wow. me. And one of the times it was like 38 minutes of trying to scramble through bushes, trying to get back to the trail. I was with two other guys. And like one of them actually DNF'd right after, cause he was like so pissed and so frustrated and like over it. Right. And the other two, like the other guy and I, we kept on we were like, well, we found the trail now. And we're like in last place and like, whatever, we're just going to make our way. And anyways, and then I actually ended up getting lost two more times. So that really could have gotten to me, but instead it was like, and again, you're not checking. That wasn't pain per se, but I guess frustration on the trail or just hardship on the trail or just times where you're just like, God, I want to give up. Like this is, that doesn't cross my mind. I just try and like, well, this is what happened and you got to keep moving forward. Like sometimes you're just given a tough deal of cards or what's the saying <laughs> hand of cards. And, uh, sometimes it happens and you just, I think it's another way of, I've been told like hardship builds character, yeah. but the other way of looking at it is hardship reveals character. Right. And I take mm. that really to heart, like, Oh, okay. This is something that I didn't want. This was this is really frustrating. This is not how the day was supposed to go, but like, I'm going to make the best of it that I physically and mentally can. And it's fabulous. So yeah. 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 That's a great attitude. I don't, I don't hear that very often from, from our runners, you know, out there in the world. I just don't. Yeah. It's more excuses well, like than an easy out. Yeah. Or like, it's a privilege. Like I'm here. I want to be here. I signed up for this. Like I paid for this. I like, this is chosen suffering. This is a chosen hardship. I knew there was going to be things on the trail that I didn't expect. This happens in training runs too, right? Where you Mm -hmm. bonk and you're like, what the heck? It's supposed to be a peak day. I'm not supposed to be bonking. You know, things happen out there and it's how you handle them. Like that's what makes this sport so beautiful. And, um, that we're able to keep moving on and keeping like, Oh, I wish I handled that differently. Okay. Next race, I'm going to do this differently or whatever. You know, it's like everyone in the sport is striving to be a better version of themselves. And, you know, and, and, and layered on top of that is adventure and like stoke on views and, you know, but we're all just trying to live our, you know, our best self, our best lives. And so, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So adapt I mean, was, and overcome. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. Adapt and overcome. And um, we did have a couple of references to DNF, um, but you haven't had that experience, have you? 
not yet. Um, and I'm not by any means like death before DNF at all. Like, I think there's a lot of reasons to DNF. Um, but I haven't had to, um, and I hope I don't have to, but I'm sure at some point I will come. I understand a lot of times when pros have to DNF and I didn't get this before I started really running competitively that, I mean, there are reasons to DNF, right? Like if something was your A race and then there's another big race, you know, and you're not performing the way you want to perform, but in another month, there's another big race and you want to give yourself the chance to do it and not like go deep in the pain cave or whatever to like, you know, dig yourself in too deep of a hole. There's a reason, but I haven't had to do that. I think partly because I am able to get myself out of those situations, but you know, I also have, well, I, I was about to say I haven't had a broken bone, but I have had a broken bone. I didn't know it was a broken bone. <laughs> so I guess that doesn't count. Yeah. Katie, you're pretty famous for your broken nose. Yeah. The bloody tampon. Oh, yeah, I call I it, right? nose too. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I'm a mess, aren't I? <laughs> No, no. Oh man. But yeah, I feel like this is like a really, <laughs> I feel like that incident though, is like a really good example of how we can use grit to adapt and keep going when you have that drive. Right. But as a parent, what are your thoughts about how we can instill this grit in our youth and their own life path? Hmm. I mean, the youth is all we've got, right? We have to teach our youth (laughs) because that's critical. I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited about in my future is to work with youth. Like I want to coach my kids, like, you know, that sort of thing excites me so much, but okay. I will say, um, how do we teach it partly from role modeling it on our own, right? It's like, you know, if our own kids or our own youth in our communities have somebody to, or have role models or mentors that they're actually walking the talk, right? Um, There's a big difference, you know, than just talking about it. But if you're actually doing it, I think it speaks volumes to youth. They they call bullshit. (laughs) They can see through it. Um, Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said bullshit. Okay. Call BS. Oh, no. That's no. fucking okay with us. Yeah. Okay. We're full okay. of explicit. So. Um, I forgot I have Nancy on this, so you know. But yeah. Like, <laughs> Ultra mama uh, isn't always clean, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. But leading by example. You're, you're yeah, right. That's, lead by example. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, but it's more than that. You know, I think as parents, we need to teach it um, to our kids, being able to not only say, like, don't give up. I think it's just as courageous to give up if something's not right too. Um, something that just like, I'm just thinking about my, my seven-year-old yesterday was just telling me, mom, when everybody else, that, cause he's rock climbing this week at rock climbing camp. And he said, everybody else took a break, but I didn't take a break. I was rock climbing the entire time. The only time was when they told me I had to stop to eat for lunch. But the other time I was on the wall the whole time, like on the rock it's outside. And I was like, I'm so proud of you that that's, if that was important to you, then heck yeah, babe, like that's important to you. But remember like to check yourself, if you're like, 
it's okay to give your body some rest and to, you know, give your hands some rest, you know, like, I think there's also this, like, it's okay and courageous also to stop if necessary, you know? So I think that that's an important like nuance that we need to teach that it's not only about like gritting your way through everything. There are times that, like I said, death by DNA, like death before DNA, like that's, there's times to stop. You need to take rest days. It's okay to be gentle with your body. It's okay to kind of um, like give yourself some grace there, you know, for the long haul. Like we don't want to burn ourselves out, right? And so I think that that's also an important thing to instill in our youth um, is also to define passions and work that bring us joy and that we don't have to like grit our way through life, you know? Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not enjoying something, choose something else. Right. Switch it up. Yeah. 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 You don't have to grit through it all. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for certainly finishing some things, but if it's going to be something that's a super long commitment and you don't enjoy it, then yeah, switch it up. Switch it up. And if if it means something to you, by all means, like Mm -hmm. finish it, if that's what brings Mm -hmm. you joy. And that like for me, finishing Western States when I was not in a good shape, (laughs) meant a lot to me. Like I wanted to do it for me. It wasn't for anyone else. It was so Mm -hmm. personal. It was me. It was my race. And I am so, so, so proud that I was able to do that. Um, but you know, if that, that doesn't mean I have no judgments of other people wouldn't have done that in that race, you know? So it's a very personal, like (laughs) the gauge, your personal grit, I think is important and the reasons behind it. I like that. And I certainly think that my daughter is seeing a lot through my running and through coaching and seeing these other athletes. She comes out and helps the ultra ladies sometimes. And I give her the cowbell and she gets to ring it for them. And she'll like run up and she's 10. She just turned 10. And so for instance, at bulldog, you know, at Corral Canyon, you can see them coming. She'll go out and run to greet them as soon as she can see them. And she'll run in with them. I love it. Training runs. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yes. That is inspirational. Right. And she's watching these other people like follow their dreams, you know, and push themselves. And yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So what's your absolute favorite trail to run? Oh gosh. Like repeatedly, you just never would get tired of it. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Let's, can we break it by region? Okay. Yeah, name a few. Sure. Okay. Like so I would say in Mammoth running to Duck Pass, um, like to Duck Lake over Duck Pass is just so epic. You know, it's to get to the end of Duck um, from the trailhead is 10 miles there and back. And it's just like a world away, you know, like to run five miles to the end of duck feels like you've been out for, you know, 30. Cause you just mm-hmm. feel so remote. It's so freaking beautiful. Um, so that would be my go-to just, um, and then in the Santa Monica's, oh man, there's so many, I, I mean, I have to say Westridge, like that's like an oldie, but goodie, like everyone needs to run Westridge, you know? Um, I actually think my CR just got dropped from that, which is kind of a bummer, but that's okay. <laughs> um, oh. I, and I have to go back and get it back. Um, you know, I think it's, I think I would have to say Westridge and then what running like on Dermal Holland, just being a, like, you see so many people when you're doing that, I guess that just feels like your everyday run. Um, that's not very remote, but it just feels like 
you see every runner that you know on that trail. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It feels like it's just a little community out there. Um, I mean, there's so many more in the San Monica's, but I'll, I'll just say that for time. And then in the San Gabe's, um, I love the strawberry loop. That's one of my favorites for sure. I mean, anything on the Gabrielino when the fire hasn't destroyed it. Um, yeah. Yep. One of your jobs is as a nurse practitioner, you've had a lot of experience working with low income populations. What have you learned as an ultra runner that you feel has helped you the most with this? Hmm. Actually, can I switch up the question? I actually yeah. feel like my patients have taught mm -hmm. me more for ultra running than ultra running, mm -hmm. teaching me my, for my patients. Um, because when you talk about grit or tenacity or just moving forward, that's what my patients have to do every single day to get food on the table for themselves and their kids. And that to me puts everything in perspective. It puts in this injury in perspective. It puts any difficulty or challenge, challenging event during a race in perspective or, you know, any hard parenting day in perspective. It's like, for me, um, I've worked with folks that are really struggling with homelessness and addiction. And um, so, yeah, I would say that perspective is what I've learned the most. And also never to stop, like just keep moving forward and keep trying to better yourself um, and having the long view because so many problems that arise in ultra running and in my life um, like you want them to be an instant fix, you know, and that's not always the case. And I feel like my patients have taught me that to like the long view, you know, um, that you might be in suffering for instance, like it's in a very like different way. Um, but obviously way less traumatic. Um, but running hundred miles when you're in a challenging circumstance, it's like, well, yeah, I have 80 miles to go. Like, how can I ever do it? It's like, you can do it. Like just move, like, just keep moving forward. Like human, the human tenacity and the human spirit can do so much more than you think you can. And it's so cliche to say that we're so much stronger than we think we are. But I mean, I've really learned that from patients when I'm like, like, how do you keep going on? Like, you can't say that, but you're thinking it like, oh my God. I mean, the stories and the trauma and the what's happened and you're like, God, and they do, you just keep going on. And, you know, sometimes you need some psychiatric help or um, addiction specialist help or other things, but, you know, it takes a village. Oh, that's another thing that they've taught me a lot is that we need to rely on each other for help. Um, that it's not, you can't do this life alone. It really does take a village and um, being open to help has been really, yeah, really influential in my life. That's great. Awesome answer. Uh, one of the main goals of the ultra ladies is to build confidence in women who run trails and they're newbies, but many times they're newbies. Can you speak to this from your experience? I mean, yeah, because I was one of them not that long ago. <laughs> so I resonate with this question, uh, you know, quite like viscerally. Um, yeah, I think that the confidence of even going to a trail can be a little bit scary. And I think in LA, especially in the sense that, like we mentioned, just feels 
like the, the trailheads you want to get to are overcrowded or you don't know where to go. And I feel like, um, relying on other people, like really having that support group to kind of show you those trails that you never see a soul, right. To get away, you know? And, um, I think that the community aspect of trail and for sure what ultra ladies taught me, but just generally running on trails definitely empowered me to find my own, like I would learn from other people and then I would discover on my own, you know, and that was so exciting to me. I will say, and I'm not sponsored by a watch company, but putting my route, like I would plan it beforehand, you know, on Strava and then put it onto my watch and then be able to be out there running and like be totally confident because I know where I'm going because I have the route on my watch and I'm like empowered by that. And I know that I can make that distance. And I didn't start doing that sort of thing, like solo adventure until I felt like confident in my running. Um, And it took running with friends to kind of teach me that. But I remember in the beginning being a little bit like, ah, I'm not going to do it by myself. Like, I don't like know how to do this. So it's like really relying on learning from your community first, and then to kind of be able to be like, okay, I got this. And then being able to go, I I think it's okay to be a little bit, not timid, but like unsure, or there's so much uncertainty with trail, but we all feel that way in the beginning. And so that's why we have to rely on our community and those around us that have been doing it to teach us that. And I, and I don't, I think it takes some time, but, um, if you have a group such as ultra ladies, you, you learn it quicker (laughs) because you, you know, have forced community, <laughs> chosen community that you're able to, you know, rely on and ask questions and that sort of thing. And that helps with your confidence for sure. So yeah, that was long-winded, but. What is your one-year running goal, Katie? Nah, to win Western States. Yeah. You're just going to next take year. a crack at that. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that was my goal this yeah. year. It didn't happen, but okay. I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, of course. It's my goal. Yeah, I love it. absolutely. Every woman that's like a big competitor out there is trying to win. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah. I read a story from your Bandera race that another runner came in while you were just getting up with like the broken nose and said something like, do you know this? Said something like, oh yeah. I and it happened you. again, actually. I'll talk about it. So Emily Hoggett actually Um, so Emily Hoggett, she just got fifth place at Western States. She, we are both going for a golden ticket that year, 2021. And she was ahead of me and I I had raced her before and I knew she went out hot. And anyways, it was the first aid station that I was in front of her. It was like a mile 40 or something. And anyways, is when I fell and I broke my nose and I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I was so scared. I was like, don't take me. Like I'm still running. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking like basketball games or something. Like if you're bleeding, you can't play, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm fine. It's just, I'll just hold my nose the whole time. Like I'm like, you know, <laughs> and somebody had the tampon and I was like, thank God you were an angel, you know? And anyway, so it was not, it must happened, have been one of those little, um, like the beginner tampons, right? Not the big, heavy duty. Oh, one. it was a big, heavy tampon. I don't know if you've seen pictures, but it's like half of it is out of my nose. I, I have not seen so pictures gross. of it. It's down to her lip. But honestly, I think it needed to be that big with the amount of, but at one point uh-huh. I took it out because I was like, this is so gross. And I was actually quite uncomfortable as you can imagine <laughs> to have something so big in your nasal cavity. And I took it out and it just started gushing blood. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Oh, nope yeah, nope. your nose was broken. Um, did oh, the, was the string, was there a string hanging from it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't like actually it, remember the string. Or did they cut or that off? They might have cut it off. <laughs> I actually don't remember the string. That's funny. That's funny. I never thought about that till now. That's um, cute. I'd have to look back at pictures, I guess. But during that time, Emily passes me. And mm-hmm. so we've known each other, you know, so I was like, Emily, I'm coming for you. And she's like, you better come get me, you know? And I'm Aww. like, yeah. So that was so fun. And actually the reason why I kind of chuckle is because this just happened again. One of my good friends, Leah Yingling, who was the first American to finish Western States, got sixth place. Um, she, I've known her for so long. She paced me at bear. We are like good friends. I've been like cheering for this Aww. woman for so long to get into Western States because she's gone out for so many golden ticket races. And anyway, um, she, uh, we're at green gate for mile 80 and I'm like hurting, like I'm a wreck. Right. Like, but I'm trying to stay positive. I keep telling myself I'm a rally next, like guys I'm rallying. And everybody's like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. You're looking great. And I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, but I'm a rally. I'm a rally. I'm a rally. I just kept thinking it was going to get better. You know, that's why you keep moving forward because it eventually get better. It didn't ever really get better for me, but you know, keep thinking it well. Well, Leah, <laughs> during that time, she's just like da, 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 chatting. It's like a two mile hill climb. And, um, and she like passes me. She's like, like, let's go, Katie. Like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not, you know, like, like we're chatting a bit. And I was like, go, Leah, go. And she like runs by me and I get there and I'm like, oh man, like, guys, like, this is hurting, but I'm going to, I'm going to rally now. And, and then Leah runs by me. And she's like, come on, Katie, let's go. And I'm like, I'm coming for you. And I like take a step to go. And then I just like start puking. And I'm like, (laughs) oh man. And like, I mean, it was like six, you know, just like vomiting up everything. And I looked at my team and I was like, guys, that was like a really pivotal moment. Cause I'd been for since mile 45, I had been puking in like profuse diarrhea. It was horrible. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. And my broken foot. I was anyway. So I was feeling miserable and I was like, how am I going to do this? And I looked at my team like, how am I going to do this? Like, I have no calories in me, like for hours and hours and hours, like seven hours, I've had nothing. And, um, and my pacer was like, no time for that. Let's go. She kept saying that no time for that. You know? And I'm like, okay. And so it was so funny because Leah at the finish line was like, you said you were coming after me. I was like, where is she? Like, where'd you go? And I was like, oh, Leah, I was a wreck. <laughs> I just was playing games with myself. It was really for myself to be like, I can do this, right? I think I can do this. Anyways, good times. It's just fun to run with people you've been running with for a long time and have been on your team in different times. And yeah, we support each other in other ways, but we all want each other to like do our personal best, you know? So it's fun to watch your friend go and freaking kill it, you know? So anyways, yep. I remember when that happened, and I remember telling my husband, this woman, man, she's the shit. I love her. <laughs> like, this is it. <laughs> I mean, it was so like, just not even an option. It was like, let's go. Like, no, like, come on. Like, again, like no time for this. You know, I think that's a good mantra. No time for this. <laughs> like just yeah. no time to complain. There's no time for it. Like just yeah. solve the problem and keep moving forward. Shove the tampon up your nose and keep moving forward, you know? Um, yeah. But that can be, I guess, a metaphor for a lot of things in life. Just like solve the issue. That's the problem at hand and then move on, you know? Well, um, your nose looks pretty good right now. So Okay. Yeah. I said the nasal strip helps to open the cavity. (laughs) Thank you. What is your five-year running goal then? Ooh. Um, well, I think I was talking to my husband about this. Like if I, I don't know, 
if I just keep running Western States to try and win it, like, I think really for me, it's about, it's not necessarily winning, like getting the Cougar. Of course I want the Cougar, of course. But for me, it's like running my personal best race. Like, I'm not sure I could beat Beth Pascal's time, like straight up, like on the hottest year, the second hottest year in history. And she got the second best time in history. Absolutely insane. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you look at these and I'm, I'm very humbled, right? I don't go into the sport, have any ego, zero ego, because you can think all the things and you can dream. And I think it's important to dream. Um, and how, like, don't be realistic, just dream, you know, and go for it and push yourself and keep trying. Um, but I think there potentially could be a time where I'm like, all right, that was my personal best day. Like I want to keep running Western States until I'm like, I won in my heart. Like I couldn't run that race any faster. That went like as smooth as it will ever go. And that was like money. Like I did it, you know? And even if I get whatever placement, definitely when I got fifth, I did not feel that way. I was like, Oh, I could take hours off that time. Um, it was not my best race (laughs) at all. So for me, it's like just trying to nail that race. And that's like, it pulls you. It's like this just elusive race. It feels like on paper, it would be so straightforward and easy, but it's not. Um, anyway, so I think my five-year plan, hopefully I would have already done that dream race at Western States. And, um, hopefully I'm still signed by Saucony. Um, and you know, like right now it's a four-year contract. So I guess I have three more years. Um, so hopefully I'm still signed and I'm still pushing myself to my limits. And I mean, five years, I'll be 41, which is peak, peak time to dominate. So, um, yeah, I think early forties is going to be a really good time in life. And I, I hope that at that time I'm like feeling healthy and I don't know. I think in five years, I hope I'm just like crushing, I guess, like I hope I'm doing really well and like having fun with it. I don't, I don't ever want to compete at the best level if I'm like not enjoying it, you know, like Pete and I, we talk, like, do I need to be sponsored? No. Like, do I need the finance? Like, no, I'm going to be doing this anyway. So it's great to have the, that, you know, um, would I be getting body work frequently? Probably not, (laughs) but you know, I would be doing these races anyway, if I wasn't sponsored, but I will say that like financial help does like, does help. Like you can race abroad more, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so hopefully I've, in those five years, I've had a lot of fun and done a lot of adventures and I'm still freaking loving it. Do you have another race outside of Western States? That would be your next race. Like if you got first at Western States, what would be yeah, your next one? I really want to do well at CCC. Um, like I was hoping that would be this year. Yeah. Um, you know, after a rough Western States, I was really hoping to really do well at CCC. So I think CCC is like, would be my next like high priority. And then of course I want to dabble at UTMB. Um, it's probably not my strength as much. Like I really love to run, um, versus hike, (laughs) uh, but it would just be another challenge that I would get to work on. So yeah, I think that would be fun. There's a lot of, um, really amazing races that I've always wanted to do. And I would like to, at some point dabble actually for my 40th, um, we were talking about doing a 200 miler for like together, not as a race. Like it would be like a, like adventure to have that memory together. And now I think I'll probably wait until I'm in my like later forties to do that. Because I think in your early forties, you're 
like still peaking and I probably wouldn't want to spend 200 miles. Like, like I would just want to be careful about how I'm using like that long of a distance. Uh, so yeah, that's that, those, that priorities changed a bit. Cause I want to be competing like with the best and in the like biggest races. So. Do you have a one and done running goal? I don't, uh, like, I think if I ran UTMB, I'm not sure how many times I would run UTMB. I'd probably do more like CCC. I just think it's like so taxing, um, takes so long. I would love to do hard rock. Um, love to do Leadville. I mean, there's lots of big races I want to do. Um, but what I do over and over, like, I'd probably do Leadville once. Like, I don't know, probably if I got a hard rock several times, I would do it every time I got in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I don't know. It just kind of depends on where I'm at in my career and where I'm at as a mom and professionally. So, okay. Yeah. Good. Well, um, before we thank you and sign off, we have some things just for fun. And so we'd like to throw out a few things to you and have you comment uh, or choose one. For example, three words that describe my running. Ooh, like my style of running. Is that what you mean? Or that have meaning for you related to your running. I would say um, growth, purpose, and joy. Nice. Okay. I won't run outside when it's. Oh, run through it all. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I run when it's blizzarding. I run when it's hailing. I run when it's pouring rain. I run when it's 106 degrees. Uh, okay, good. I don't really know. I run through it all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess maybe on, like, I. I, bu- I don't like running on the roads during mm-hmm. a blizzard <laughs> yes. um, because I've fallen way too many times on black ice. So uh-huh. that's, that sucks, but I'll okay. run on in a blizzard. No problem. All right. So mountains or deserts? Mountains, hands down. Skirts or shorts? Shorts. Hat or visor? Hat. Morning or evening? Morning. Pack or handhelds? Pack, but some races you need both at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Take it, Sarah. Do you have a quirky habit while you run? I don't know. Like uh, before I do like leg swings and like I do a warm up. Um, I guess my, I guess my nose strip is kind of quirky. Yeah, I can't really think of anything. (laughs) Some people have like, they'll stop at a certain spot. Like they'll start and stop at like the same spot at their house. Like there's a flower pot or there's like something there or, or, uh, like they'll layer their clothing and their gear, like a very certain way, or like they'll always wear their lucky socks. (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, for years, I only wore one pair of socks while I was racing, like one pair I wore for like three years. It was so fun. And now, now I'm sponsored by that company. So now I have like a lot of pairs, which is great, but it was like my special pairs. So fun. Um, and then I do always, so I never paint my nails or like look in the mirror, you know, <laughs> but, um, for races, I always put on like nail polish, like glittery nail polish. And it makes me feel okay. like ready, like jazzy, you know, like let's, let's get the magic going. 
Um, and I give one, um, because they're always like the stick-ons cause I don't have the patience for like painting nails. God, no. Um, so I do the stick-ons and then I give everyone in my crew, one of the stick-ons also, so that we're all kind of like jiving together. Like we're all, yeah. Like that organism, I guess, like we're all connected, you know, I don't know. Oh, I like that. Silly, silly superstitions. Okay. Hot or cold? Hot. Okay. I feel most like a badass win. I guess at the finish line. Regardless. Yeah. Right? No matter what a finish line. Cause you finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uphills or downhills? Down. <laughs> do you like the really technical downhills or do you like the like fast? And- I like to run fast, <laughs> which <laughs> is a problem when trails are technical, but I'll take technical trails. Um, but I like, I like like a flowy, I think it also, I think it's because I started training in the Santa Monica's like you guys Mm -hmm. get it. Right. So now I'm like, that's how I started. Those were my training grounds for so long. And that's how I began. And so whenever Mm -hmm. a trail has like some rocks and roots, I'm like, Oh, this is technical. (laughs) Cause I'm like used to like, you know, Santa Monica butter and yeah, it's like the, the epitome of the California butter trails, you know? And so, yeah, I think I need to work on that for sure. I think that's why I'm a little terrified about like European races and stuff, but I need to get over that. (laughs) But yeah. Just go run in Arizona more. (laughs) I know. I mean, I've run, obviously I run technical trails all the time. No, it's so true. Like running in Texas, like Bandera is so technical. Like people don't realize, but yeah. Um, But if I was going to get to guess, if I could make my own, it would be like buttery like I really want to do backbone like I have to go for backbone at some point you know yeah have you run all the segments of it um there's one section of like 10 miles I haven't run and it's funny because I almost did it and I was like nope I'm not gonna do it like I want to wait I want to wait to do it until I'm running backbone like I want it to be a fun surprise yeah, I've run all of it except for seven miles. That's awesome. And same thing. We were we had it scheduled actually two different times to go run it. We had it, Nancy had it worked out with crewing and everything. It was me and another runner. And each time we've had something. So we had an injury come up. And then <sighs> the next time was, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was that arsonist that torched part of the Topanga. Oh park. yeah. Terrifying. And we were tapering to go run <sighs> the backbone and it closed <sighs> it. So, yeah, I remember because somebody was going for the FKT during that time too. And like, they were yeah. on the trail. I think it was Wyatt. They were on the trail when like the wow. fires were happening. It was like, what, what are we going to yeah. do? Like they're racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you have, yeah. To and I don't know if you ran out there since, but I have run yeah. out there a number of times and seen all the burn area. It's yeah. just horrific, but yeah. yeah. So anyways, you'll have to run it sometime. I know sure. I've never definitely have never done the whole thing at once. Like if that was your question, I've definitely done like yeah. segments except for that one section. And then, yeah. but I want to, that's like on my list. I have to do it. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Maybe that'll be my comeback after for myself, not for anybody so. else. It's always for myself, but after my foot, <laughs> maybe I'll run the backbone. Maybe I'll go for that. Go. Okay. Calories. You have some comments on calories, hmm. calorie yeah. intake. Ooh, this is a good one for beginners. So, um, I never cared or thought or just like considered it until now, actually it sounds pretty silly. Like probably the last year, 
Um, I actually looked at the calories and carbs and sodium content of every gel of my hydration product of like, I actually paid attention because I was always like per hour, one flask, two gels. That's what you do. That's what everybody taught me. So that's what you do. And I learned that um, every gel has very different content. And like, for instance, Guraptane, for instance, um, there is a caffeinated one and there's a non-caffeinated one. And there's like, there's, you can just be only running on caffeine and really put yourself into big problems, you know? So you need to know what's in your fueling and like account for it. So I aim for 250 to 300 calories an hour, which is a lot, um, but that's the goal. And um, I, on really, really hot days when I'm sweating a lot and have no ice, then I would go like high, like 900 to a thousand milligrams of sodium per hour. Um, that's based on my sweat rate at Western States. That's what happened is I went off that and gone to huge problems. That's what all the GI upset was because I put too much salt. Um, I never had GI upset ever once in a, never, never in a, in a race. And I just took too much salt because I had done the calculations based on the amount of, uh, sodium loss. Cause I got a sodium test and I knew what, how much sodium I was losing in my sweat. And I did my volume test in really hot weather and I knew how much volume I lost, but it turns out that I didn't have any cooling mechanisms when I did the calculations. And then at Western States, I was super cool and had so much ice on me at all times. So it was just, I wasn't losing as much volume as expected and I just overdid it. So I think it's really critical to realize that even when you're doing all the prep during the training that to remember that the conditions are going to be different. Even if you think like it was just as hot in my training, but I just wasn't using the cleaning mechanism. So, um, just to keep that in mind, like the, the race day, the weather, everything changes <laughs> your, your feeling. So to be really flexible in that, um, and I caught it, but it was already too late. So, uh, yeah. Um, so there's that. So, so I think, um, sodium and your electrolytes is really critical. And that was not something I didn't care about really, or think about, uh, before this past year. And so if I could give advice to beginners is, you know, you don't need to be like, I'm not one to be like knowing everything I eat or calculate anything. Like I'm never that in my daily life, but now I'm training, I'm on top of it because I need to like know how much feeling I'm taking in during, like while I'm running and then try and do it while I'm racing. So yeah, it's, um, it's good what advice. Was the question. Yes. <laughs> but I'm that, that is really important. Know yeah. your feeling notes in it. Know any carbs. So I, I go aim for 250 to 300 calories. I aim for 65 to 75 carbs an hour, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like really try and push more than 75 carbs an hour. Yep. And try and do that in training also. I don't do it probably as much like realistically leading up. Cause that's a lot to take in when you're training, but like the month before your race is when I really dial it in even six weeks before, cause I'm trying to get my gut ready for it. Yeah. That's good advice. And when I feel when I'm out on the trail with newbies, I feel like a mother hen. Are you eating? Are you drinking like clockwork? And they're like, Oh, and this like one day I was out there with some new people and, and they just like, there was a lady that was ahead of me. That's one of our athletes. And she just like raises her hand with her food in her hand. Yes. <laughs> she, she knew, you know, that's awesome. like a nag. Yeah. <laughs> she just okay. saw you coming and she's like, here, it's right here. Look, I'm looking. Yeah. You're like, I don't yeah. want to see it. I want it in your mouth. And you're like, I'm- yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's in your hands. Not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alone or with a group. Ooh. 
love running in groups. It's so fun. Makes miles pass. I love running in groups. So I will say for the most part, my training, most of the time I'm running alone just because of my schedule. Um, but when it's running, like I try and really do my long runs with groups for sure, because it's so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Squatting or standing up. Oh man. I (laughs) wish I could do standing. That's a whole story. Oh my gosh. Okay. I should have talked to that. What? Last year, Alyssa St. Laurent is like my hero and one of my best friends and has paced me now both years at Western States. And she, last year, (laughs) it was like mile, I don't know, 85 or something. We're on the trail and I'm like, I have to pee for the first time all day. I was so dehydrated. That was such a hard race. Wow. I was, I didn't take barely any salt basically last year was not enough this year, way too much. And next year is going to be just right. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyways, I was really dehydrated and I had to pee and she's like, just do it like this. Cause she's like, she's been a pro for so long and she just knows, and she just starts peeing standing up and she's like, like this, you know, on the side of the trail. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can do it. And I'm like chuckling and laughing, like, just like this. And it's just like pee, just like all <laughs> down my feet, all down my legs. Just like this acidic, gross, like overly condensed oh. pee. Right. Which then oh like, of course is in my feet, like causing hot spots. It was the worst. It was <laughs> my advice for beginners is to not, when we talk about not doing things like that, you've never done on race day. This is one of them. <laughs> Don't try and pee standing up during your race. If you've never done it before, even if your quads are shot, just like have your pacer help you like squat. And yeah, just, anyway, yeah. that's funny. Athletes. If you're listening to this, this is something to learn on your shower. training runs. Yeah. Or practice, practice in the, the shower. shower. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I haven't gotten it down yet. If anybody else has any tips, DM me. I want to know <laughs> because yes, I'll take any tips. I learned from, from Nancy. From I, Ultra I okay. I should have taught you that years ago. Oh, okay. Can we get it on the pod? Can you just tell us? Um, well, when you're peeing standing up, first of all, I I found it more easy with shorts on or a skirt, you know, yeah. not so much with leggings, because then you have to pull the leggings down and you can't really navigate that as easily. Um, get your feet pretty wide apart, like more than you think you need to. Okay. You know, I would say um Shoulders width plus another foot on each side, maybe. Oh wow! Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Like four feet. <laughs> bend your knees on the pot. Bend your knees. Okay. <laughs> bend your knees down a little bit. Pull your shorts over to one side, completely yeah. over to the side, but using a hand in front and a hand in back. That yeah. that way you can that way you won't pee in your pants. Yeah, and then you gotta just, pull the liner. Right. The short liner, the panty. (laughs) And make sure you get the back of the panty and the shorts pulled away too, to one, to one leg or the other. I always pulled mine to the left side. I think if I would have pulled my shorts to the right side, I probably would have peed in my pants or my leg. And then once you get it going, just do your thing. So you don't have to like aim or like. You can aim. Okay. Cause you're trying to teach me how to like like aim if you're like pe- touch and like aim and I was like this is not where you're just like all over my hand no I mean when you leg. get really good at it you can write your name and pee <laughs> <laughs> you do aim a little bit Katie and I find yeah. too so once you've practiced it a time or two you can then like aim by shifting your hips a little bit exactly like 
Yeah, okay. you can almost like so shift like to the your side. Hand to aim. You're nope. using your hip. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I then so it would work. Some people use well, their hands. Interesting, hold. but I would always take oh. my one hand in front with the shorts, the one hand in back with the shorts, and pull it way to the side. I think if you're dribbling, you're it's going to probably go down your leg. But if you can get a good stream going, yeah, you'll hit the ground every time. Okay, good tips, guys. Keep trying. Keep this trying. Gonna be, I'm going to try it in the shower because I can't try it on the trail right now because I'm currently yeah. in the boot. But that's okay. okay. <laughs> that's okay. Another good tip: pay attention to what you're peeing on because mm-hmm. that will make a difference in whether there's splash or not. <laughs> That's true oh. too. There can be a little splatter, but that's, that's okay. not so bad. Yeah, a little so, splatter is fine. But yes, yeah, like so, you're peeing on a rock or something, that's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In California, we have a lot of rock, but try to do like yeah. something that has underbrush so it can right, receive right. and absorb it and not splatter all over your shoes and up your ankle or whatnot. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good tips. Thank you for that. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Ladies, we got you. Yeah. Standing up. I know. <laughs> you can play this in your ear while you practice. I know. I hope everybody's on the trail running right now and they're stopping and trying. I hope that's <laughs> if that's how it happened right now, please tell Sarah or Nancy and we'll yep. get a kick out of it. <laughs> I yeah, would like that. Will. I would like that for sure. Send us a DM. <laughs> no pictures are needed. Just no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Okay, if you're running in a city setting, do you stop at red lights or do you, you know, do the jog in place? Oh God, no, okay. never jog in place <laughs> ever. No, um, no, that's just like a no, no waste of energy. I would just stop and like probably like stretch out my hips or just like move around a little bit. Probably, well, yeah, I'd probably like do a little hamstring stretch and chill. Just you know, no, no need to do that. <laughs> I was laughing people do it though. I'm like, you, you do that. You, you just lose those extra calories, you know, teach their own, whatever they need. No judgments here. You do you. So the last part of our pod, Katie, is we play this really fun game. Never have I ever. And these are rapid fire. So you don't get a lot of thinking time. You just basically have to spit out an answer in three seconds. Okay. Like a yes or no answer. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of like a this or that. Okay. Yeah. I'll do the first one and I'm going to turn over to Nancy. So never have I ever pooped in the woods. I mean, obviously I just ran for (laughs) hours and hours and hours, um, shitting in the woods. So yes, lots of poop in the woods. Yeah. Uh, so you, we know you got lost in a race, so we can't say never have I ever gotten lost in a race. You have never have I ever lost a toenail. Oh, I just lost a toenail. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Though I will say to that point, that's another good beginner trick. I should like write these down. Something I just learned at at this last race, because I always lost all of my toenails, especially like my, you know, thumb, my digit one. Yeah. Um, the big nail. Um, but this race, I cut them really, really short. And so I have only lost one, but that was really important because ch- cutting them short, like changed everything. I probably okay. learned that from you, Nancy, but I didn't write You know what else you journal. learned from me that you might not remember? You take oh, the callus. Own. Oh, I remember that. No, you, you do oh. your, you do your nails this way. Go over. There we go. Go mm-hmm. over the top of the nail. So just like this. Uh-huh. Can you, can you see? Yep. So for listeners, 
because you're hearing this and not seeing it and we're on a zoom with Katie, this is a nail file and we're going across the top of the nail bed. So if you have uh, nails that have grown really thick, which can happen very easily on ultra runner feet, you want to file that down because you don't want that extra adage on top because it can create a friction point. So you're literally filing down the thickness of the nail bed by sanding it on top with an emery board. And that way your nail is gonna be super flexible. And when it pushes against the shoe at all, you won't get those blisters at the cuticle line of your toe. You know how you get those blisters where the nail starts and they go all the way up to the knuckle? That's a good tip. It is a good tip. tip. So make sure all your nail thicknesses are filed down so they're super flexible. Uh, what else? Oh, never have I, have I ever um, lied so I could go running. Oh, all the time. <laughs> I'm sick today. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I would like my old job, I would, there was a park next. I was there for eight years working at my clinic. I should, I'm not going to say it, but anyway, and uh, I would like leave. I mean, I, usually for clinicians, for people that don't know, like if you're going to your family practice, nobody takes a lunch. Like nobody ever takes lunch. You're sitting there documenting on your patients while you're eating. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I would say, I'm going to do it later. And I would, I would do it like after work, but I would just peace out and go running to the little park. And I would do just loops around the park and then uh-huh. come back and like show up and like, wipe off the sweat and like walk into my next patient's room. And then I would stay later than everybody just so I could do that. But I had to get that run in or I knew it wouldn't happen or I could like finish documenting at my house or something. But um, yeah, I would not lie, but like, I don't, didn't tell anybody where I was going. So it felt like lying, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. that would um, Never that. have I ever, um, oh, let's see. Never have I ever ran without a bra. Ooh. Actually, I think that's a no, though. I'm sure I could. I'm like no breasts, um, but anymore, my children suck them dry. Um, but I, yeah, I think I've always run with a sports bra. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. I used to remember, I remember having needing three sports bras, right. For uh-huh. any moms out there that are pumping. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I felt like I could never get something that was supportive enough. And yeah. now it's like, Oh, they're like, Totally flat. <laughs> good. That's good. Um, yeah. I remember needing all the sports rods. Yeah. Never have I ever taken a selfie while running alone. Oh, 100% I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When there's a pretty view. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm um, like, I'll be like, geez, you know, like it's a fun memory. It's fine. That's I don't good. always have my phone with me, but yeah. You know, or, yeah. Sometimes I do. Like if it's really pretty, there's a lot of, it's easy to do that in Mammoth because there's yeah. some lakes and vistas. Never have I ever dreamed about racing. Oh my gosh. These are supposed to be straightforward. I'm going to answer everyone. Okay. So I, my, you know, a lot of people have the same dream over and over my dream. And I think probably a lot of people understand this. My dream is never the same race, but I'm always racing always like all the time, but it's an obstacle course with like riddles and problems. And it's never like just a running race. It's like, you have to go through this like home in this, you know, down to the basement to get through this door, to get through this, to get to this lake and then swim across it and whatever. It's like always has multiple aspects to it and then answer riddles. Yeah. So it's always problem solving during racing. I love that. I, <laughs> I have those kinds of races too. Yeah. I used to dream that in racing hundred mile races, I was running through malls, shopping malls. Oh, isn't that interesting? 
going up and down escalators and it was just weird. I know. I just had one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's so funny. Never have I ever forgotten my shoes or socks at a big race. Oh, at a race? No, but I did do it. Um, at Hondo, you guys know Hondo Canyon. Mm-hmm. Love that trail. Okay. So I was meeting a friend, Vishal, if you're listening, I hadn't seen him in forever. We were so excited to run together and I show up. Oh, and I, it was like going to be a long run. And I woke up early at like five in the morning to drop off like water for us because mm-hmm. we were going to continue on. Um, anyway, so I dropped off water. We were so excited. I go back to Hondo and he's there and he's ready to go. And I grabbed my shoes and they're missing because I had been wearing my Birkenstocks and I was totally convinced. I was like, I'll just wear my Birkenstocks. It's fine. <laughs> like, Katie, you're not wearing Birkenstocks. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> they're, Birkenstocks. they're so supportive. Totally fine. Thank God I didn't do that. But I drove all the way home. And anyways, but yeah. yeah. So that was the day wow. I almost, I was very close to it. If he agreed, I would have done it to run for like 30 miles on Birkenstocks. That would have been bad. Yeah. How about put a running sticker on my car? I don't, but I have a mammoth sticker. Got hit by a snot rocket. Oh, oh yeah. All the time. Your no, own it did become more of a thing when, not my own. Oh, I'm like a pro at snot rockets. If you've run with me, you know, I'm very good at snot rockets. However, I've gotten hit a lot. And it was always, it's funny, like when COVID was first a thing being like, wait, should we like not be doing snot rockets? How do we do this? You know, it's like, go to the end of the line, do your snot rocket back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ran a beer mile. No, but I need to. <laughs> Bucket list item. Bucket list. Fallen in a done. water crossing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One and done. <laughs> one and done. There's a one and done. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> How about fallen in a water crossing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Finished a run with bloody knees. <laughs> like every single <laughs> one. Not every single uh, one, but yes, frequently I fall. Not like, yeah. I mean, do you think racing? Yes. Frequently. Cause you're like big effort, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think we should add to our list of never have I ever Sarah finished a race with a tampon up my nose. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Let's put that in there. Cause at least now we know someone who has. <laughs> yes. That we'll is do. Fair. I like it. If that how should be included in the drop bags, Nancy, when you guys do the workshops, because everyone should have a drop. If I didn't have a tampon that day, yeah, I'm not, I don't know what I would have done. I would literally have held my nose the entire Yeah. So yeah, no way. Well, also sometimes you start your cycle during your race. Start your cycle. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. yeah, for sure. A tampon has saved me like, countless times, Yeah, <laughs> but never in that way. But yeah, I mean, you should, you need to have a tampon with you. For sure. I need to know though, do you, to put, to put a tampon in your nostril, do you use the um, inserter? Or do you just pull it out of the, the cartridge and just start pushing it up there? She gave me one of those OB ones. Or I think that's oh, like yeah. the company. They're just like covered in plastic, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which is like less weight. That's now what I put right. in the drop bags. That's what I carry in my pack. That's what I always have now. But And they're um, super comp- compacted. Super rest. compact. Yeah. And they come in all the sizes. But that's what she handed me. Genius. So, just genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about painted your toe when you've lost a toenail? It that, looks like you have a magic set. I've never done it for the big toe, but I've done it for the small toes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you for interviewing with us and taking the time to tell us all about not only your Western States experiences, 
we know you're gonna have much more of those, but also just where you Hopefully came from and how more. you started. I just, need one <laughs> just one more. That number one spot. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna happen because I can hear what a hard worker you are, what is serious planner you are. Um and you really handle the pain and the and the challenges better than anyone I've ever heard. Really and truly. That means no pity part, no pity party. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That means a lot coming from you. I mean, well, thank you. Yeah. A lot actually. Um, well, yeah. I mean, pity parties are so easy to, to get into and that's why we run for kids with cancer and things like that. So we can realize that. Yeah. We, you said I paid money to run this. I used to say to myself, Nancy, you paid good money to feel this bad. <laughs> and so I admire you because it sounds like you really have learned how to handle the pain and reframe it. And that's super special. Yeah. Yeah. You should saying, teach a class on I, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying I get to run today, even on mm-hmm. training runs, you know, there mm-hmm. are people that can't run. And then like, like me, hey, I can't run. You're in right now. And I when can't you're, run either. No, it's true, right? Like yeah. when you're injured or right, like, right. Yeah. Or you're 35 weeks yeah. pregnant and you really want to just go run and sweat. And it's like, oh, like I you yeah. get to run. And so mm-hmm. many people with, yeah. that are unable to run, like can't walk, you know? And, yeah. and I didn't think I was going to be in this circumstance right now, but right now I can't run. I can't even stand, you know? Yeah. So when I look at somebody just standing, I'm jealous, not jealous, but I'm like, oh, yeah. be thankful yeah. for that, you know? So it's perspective. I think well, that good. is what you need to really lead and live your life with that perspective of being living in gratitude, you know? So. Absolutely. So it's been such an amazing time with you. We hope to have you back again in the future. That would I be really awesome. It. Thank you guys. That was so fun. I felt like, a big, you know, like hug all the whole time. I know it's really girl Aww. talk is what that's all about. And yeah. We, we're hoping, we were hoping, you know, Sarah kept saying, we want to try to do something different than the other podcasts that she's been on. They made me think for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully whoever listens to it gets yeah. a new thought or, you know, yeah. and they share yeah. it with us and, you know, that sort of thing. It's just, it's, it's yeah. fun to connect in those ways and to share our yeah. stories and our experiences so that. Yeah. You know, the good people have, the bad people can avoid. <laughs> That's right. All, and all things ultra, all things ladies. That's, That's right. I love it. Definitely. Well, no pity parties and everybody go be more ultra. More ultra. Less lady. Less lady. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, friends, for listening today. Your support helps us continue to bring you valuable content. So remember to like, subscribe, and share on your preferred channels. You can connect with us personally on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to those as well as our production team, sponsors, and guests can be found in the show notes. Till next time, let's get out there and be more more ultra, ultra, less less lady. lady.